you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in the Gospel according to John once again. It's John 7, verse 18. John 7, verse 18. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank thee, Lord, for that faithfulness we just sang about. How great is that faithfulness. How great you are, Lord, to will and to do of thy good pleasure. And Lord, we ask now, according to that faithfulness in this hour and the hour to come, that you would bring our thoughts and our minds away from this world and bring us, Lord, to thy feet to be instructed. Lord, may thy word come powerfully to our souls today. May you speak it with power and clarity that you would give us a deep understanding of what you taught here on earth and what is glorifying unto thee. Lord, truly Thou art worthy, and great things Thou hast done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. The Apostle Paul wrote about something called gospel conversation. He talked about the saints' conversation being that is what becometh the gospel. Uh, he said that in Philippians 1, 27. He said, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Jesus tells us in this passage today that the child of God, the conversation, the mind, the heart, that the Lord is the Lord of, seeks the glory of the one who has sent him. He does not speak of himself. If you speak of yourself, you seek your own glory. That's what Jesus said. These aren't my words. These are the words of Christ. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. It's interesting to me that at the time Jesus said these words, and we'll get into that in a minute, the same problem that happened then with religious man is the same problem that we have today. And that, we, that lies within ourselves. We gather knowledge in this life. We gather thoughts. We gather what we call wisdom. And most of the time, it ends in what we believe, or what we think, what we've learned, what we've studied, what we've been taught. You say, all those things sound good to me, and they do to me too. Except for the fact that once again, Jesus said, He that speaketh of himself seeks his own glory. But, he that seeketh the glory of the one who sent him. Big difference. Have you been sent? Oh, it's easy to sit up here and label this to preachers and say the Lord sends his preachers to speak of him. And we'll get to that. But every child of God is sent into this world to live according to the life that He has ordained for every child of God to live. 
And I wonder about that this morning, how much of our conversation and our thoughts dwell in, in self. How much do we speak of self? And I'm not sitting here talking about woe is me. Not, well, certainly we all have a great dose of that. When things, when we believe God's cross providences bring these things that, that are hard in our lives and very difficult. Our nature is to complain. Our nature is to say woe is me. It's not really what I'm talking about this morning. In the days of prosperity, in the days of wisdom, in the days of that we walk every day on this earth, how much of your life is spent here glorifying Him in thought, word, and deed? Is your life, is that your testimony, that it's all of Him? And that's what we want to look at today. That's what Jesus meant when He said these words. Um, in 2 Corinthians 1.12, Paul writes, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, not with fleshly wisdom. Paul told us he had a healthy death. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel where he picked up his fleshly wisdom in the religious world. But he says, not in fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you with simplicity, godly sincerity, not according to fleshly wisdom. And Paul says, it's by the grace of God. So I want to first to establish that, that what Christ said and he that speaketh of himself seeks his own glory, that's in our fallen nature to do so. But to do the second part of this is all of grace. To seek the glory of the one who has sent us. The one who has given us life. The one who has procured life. The one who is our surety. In Philippians 3.20, Paul then goes on to write, Our conversation is in heaven. Now you think back at your conversation this week that you've had, and you think how much of it was heavenly. And how do you define heavenly? For me, it's of Christ. Was Christ exalted? Is Christ life? Has Christ done this? Has Christ done that? Did the Lord perform this in your life? Did the Lord do this for you? Did the Lord do this? That is heavenly conversation because that is where our Lord is reigning. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look. What do we look for, Paul? Do we look for self? Do we look for man's wisdom? Do we look for man's knowledge? No, for we look for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. That is heavenly conversation. This verse struck me, because as I've told you all in past weeks, as I've been instructing the children through John, when this one came to me, it really resonated. The Lord really came and said, that's your text. But I didn't know the depth of what that text was then. I, 
started to study and things and the Lord would bring things to me and it really it really is foreign to today to seek the glory of the one who has sent you and I started as the Lord the Holy Spirit shines that light in your life and starts to show you how far short you fall to that in conversations with your children or or with uh, other people in the church here or people at work or um, people you deal with in life that the Lord's providence brings you into? How much time do I seek the glory of the One who has sent me and not of myself? As I said, it's, it's, a, it's a deep question. It's so opposite to what, what we hear today and what we're totally bombarded with about co-faith and co-authorship of faith and man's got to do this and the Lord does this and obedience to God's will and all of that takes that crown that Paul talked about. Paul said at the end of his fight, the Lord gave him a crown. Now we're going to see where that crown goes in just a few minutes because the Lord has its purpose for it. But I say to you today hope the Holy Spirit comes to convict and to love and to reveal to us our need for this conversation. Our need for our mouth to glorify our Lord, our heart, our mind. So, if you will, we're going to back up a little bit and just start in verse 14. Now, chapter 7 last time I was up here, I talked to you from chapter 6 and we talked about This is the work of God that you believe. And we ended chapter 6 with many people not following Christ anymore. Chapter 7 begins, Jesus then went on, um, and it was time to go uh, to this Feast of Tabernacles that God had ordained back in the Old Testament. And His brethren, which verse verse 3 tells us, Listen to these words his brethren said to him. Depart hence, verse 3, and go into Judea that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man. This is the teaching. This is religious man's teaching. There is no man that doeth anything in secret. And he seeketh, he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. You may think that's sound advice, but we're told in the next verse, his brethren did not believe in him. They desired that he went up with them to the temple to do these works to bring glory to himself. To bring glory to them. To bring glory to where do you come from. These are Jesus' own brethren. So Jesus tells them it's not his time to go up into the feast. It's not his time to go, and he dismisses them, and they go on. And that's where we pick up in verse 14. After we're told here that the world hated him, and that no man could even, in 13, no man could even speak openly of him for fear of the Jews. Verse 14 comes, Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. The temple was, as you see, this is where, and you'll see it later, this is where all man came to be taught. 
This is where the Catholics got their religion. This is where the Catholics got their idea that the Pope should be the only one that reads the Bible and he tells everybody how to live. That's what the Pharisees did. They studied in the temple. They studied the Old Testament letters. They studied the Old Testament. And then they told the people what they said. That's why as you read in the, in the Scriptures, it's so important that Jesus told them, they must all be taught of God. Man is not going to lead you to Christ. He can't. There's too much fleshly wisdom. There's too much man-centeredness in all of us. So Jesus stood up in the temple and He taught. Now verse 15 says something astounding again. The Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters? How does he know these Old Testament prophets and what they had to say, having never learned? We have never seen him here learning in the temple. We don't even know if he can read and write. We call him an unlearned man. How is it he has all of this knowledge? That should resonate with you today. Once again... How man perceives knowledge. How man perceives how one can learn about God. He knows nothing. He's never read these letters. He's not a learned man. But we know, well, we won't get ahead of ourselves. But this does remind me of what, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what was said about Jesus in Matthew 7, 28 and 29 and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes would be the ones that would sit there and teach the smaller groups of people. And the people would hang on every word that they said. But when Jesus spoke, His knowledge of God transcended everything that man knew. All of the most learned men could not touch the knowledge that was given to Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus answered them. Notice this. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine. Now don't run off and think that He was going rogue and don't think that He was speaking contrary to the Father. He says, but His that sent me. This is the beginning of Jesus telling and explaining His oneness with the Father and establishing the authority that He already has that He is sent of the Father and that what He has to say is not anything different than what the Father intended in His Word, in His letters. When Jesus said, search the Scriptures, they testify of Me, they, that's, that was a fulfillment that everything written in the Old Testament testified of Him. Not religion. Not the way of man. They testified of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what He says here. My doctrine, my teaching is not mine, but it's His that sent me. Two times the Father opened the heavens and established the authority of a son once at birth when he said this is not birth at baptism when he said this is no wait it wasn't birth when he said this is my son in whom I am well pleased 
And then, no, I was at baptism. Sorry. It was transfiguration when He said, Hear ye Him. This is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. He didn't say hear the prophets. He didn't say hear the teachers. He didn't say go to the temple to hear the religious man. All of this is to establish the authority that the Father gave His Son. Remember our text now. Our text tells that the oneness that we have in Christ Jesus is the only way that we can speak from what the Father's will is that He gave to His Son. The oneness that we have in Christ. Do you know what in Christ means? It means totally engulfed in Christ. It means the Lord has taken over you. The Lord resides in you. Your life is His life. That life is lived out in the child of God. Let this mind be in you. That's Christ's mind. That's what in Christ means. It's a, it's a revelation. It's, a, it's the, the life of Christ being lived out in the child of God. My doctrine is not mine, but Him that sent me. If any man will do His will, He shall know of the doctrine, of the teaching, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. If you know the will of God, if the Lord has revealed to you His will, and that is that He sent His Son, you will see that there is no division between what the Father and Son had to say and the Holy Ghost. And then our text. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Now I can deduce from that verse that if I speak of myself, and if I speak of self, and if I speak of the creature, and if I speak of creature obedience, and if I speak of self-will, and if I speak of self-righteousness, and if I speak of self, there is unrighteousness in me. I don't know, maybe you don't get that out of that. But that tells me that in seeking the glory of the Lord, where the crown belongs, on His head, what He's done, what He's performed for me, when doing that, when the Lord's purity is in in your soul and in your heart, where you are speaking all of Him, what He's done, there's no unrighteousness in Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 45, 25. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. In the Lord. Okay? In the Lord. Now you you should already know a passage coming that Paul said because that's coming immediately next. 1 Corinthians 1, 31 says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He said it twice. He said it right there and he said it in 2 Corinthians 10, 17. The child of God glories in the Lord. Jesus tells us how right here. He tells us that he that speaketh of the one who has sent him, that is living in Christ. That is the faith of the Son of God to speak of what he has done. Not what we have done. But what He has done, 
That's what Jesus says right here. That's what he makes very clear to us. Now, I told you earlier, Paul talked about this crown that he had run the race. <coughs> there was a crown laid up for him. Now turn with me over to Revelation 4. We'll see what happens to these crowns. Glorious passage here in Revelation 4. We'll just begin in verse 9. 9, 10, and 11. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne, and they worship Him that liveth forever and ever. This is heaven. We worship Him forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord. These are Your crowns. This is Your work. This is what you've done. You've brought me here. You have performed these things. These crowns are yours. They cast their crowns at His feet saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. It's all for His pleasure. For his. That's the language of gospel conversation. That's what that is. That's what Paul wrote about. Let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Jesus over and over, if we go back to our text now, we're going to go somewhere else here in a minute. But back in our text, if you just turn back a couple of pages in John 5, the Lord always was establishing that oneness and that authority that He has in His Father. And, and that's what I want to hit home today. I hope the Holy Spirit takes that and says to you today that if I speak of the One who has sent me, it's because I'm in Him. It's because of Him. It's because of His work. It's because of what He's done. But look at John 5, verse 30 and 31. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear... I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now we know the Lord Jesus Christ as the true one. And that's what we have in our text this morning. It says, the same is true. He that seeks the glory of the one who sent him, the same is true. Jesus said, I'm seeking the glory of the One who sent me. I am sent of the Father. That oneness that we see is the same oneness that every child of God and God-sent minister has to proclaim the Gospel. The Gospel as it is in Christ. Not after Christ. Not according to, but in Christ. What is that Gospel that's in Christ? What is it that He speaks that we're hearing today. What is it? Let's go over to Acts real quick. Acts chapter 8. This, 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 uh, this account here is very dear. It is the account of the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember that? Remember how he joined himself? Now I want you to follow 
Sometimes you read these things over and over again and you miss the depth. You miss what's really going on in them until the Lord stops you and says, do you see what's going on here? In light of what Jesus said in John 7 today, what our text is, he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. Now look, look at this. Look at uh, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. He didn't send him to Jerusalem. He sent him to Gaza through the desert. And he arose and went, as anyone sent of the Lord will do. The Lord makes it clear, I'm sending you, this is where you're going. He arose and went and beheld a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Don't miss that. Isn't that what we already read? Isn't that where Jesus went in the feast? They went to Jerusalem and they went to the temple because that's where they were told that they would learn about God. Now I ask you, when we get done with this account, you tell me what He learned about. You tell me what he's taught in Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem was the religious Mecca. So that's where he went. He said, I've heard of this one. I'm going to go to Jerusalem to learn about him, to know more about him. Who had the charge of all the treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. The Ethiopian is left to himself to interpret the book of Isaiah. He was pointed to the book of Isaiah by the religious man sitting in Jerusalem. Go read this. But listen to what happened. And Philip ran thither and to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandeth thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? Many times I ask myself that question. The Lord asked me that question. Do you understand what you're reading? Do you, you know, sometimes we filter this word through our, through our own logic and our own knowledge and our own, what we think we know. And we, we walk out of it with something that's puffed us up. Oh, look how much more I studied. Look what I got out of it. Look what I just learned. But that's not the case in the child of God. He's humbled when the Lord reveals Himself to him and He teaches him at His feet. And and He knows that everything comes from the hand who feeds Him. So He says, do you understand what you read? And, And He said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. Why would he say such a thing? Because that's what he just learned in the temple. That's what he learned in the formal religion. That's what he learned. You need a man to show you. You need some to show you. Now the Holy Spirit sent Philip over to him to explain to him what he was reading. But this this gets even better. How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. 
Now listen to this. We know this passage. It's Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Do you know that passage? Do you know who it speaks of? Who taught you that? Man? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Is that tragic? I hope it is to you. He went to the place of worship. Man gave him man-centered worship. He told him everything comes from the creature. He told him everything leads back to man. He took that knowledge. He opened his Bible or the parchments or wherever he was reading. And he looked at it. And what he got out of the testimony of Christ and the fulfillment of Christ to come was, is the prophet speaking of himself or some other man? Don't miss it. It's, it's tragedy. It's, it's, it's what we do when we read the Bible and we take what's in it and we say, this is speaking of me. This is speaking for me. This is, this is according to me. This fits into my logic. This fits... Okay, Jesus said, he that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory, but he that seeketh the glory that sent him, the same is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. So I ask you, where did he get this knowledge? Where did he get this training? From a religious man. He went to learn. He was taught and sent back to decipher for himself. So what does Philip tell him? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him doctrine? No. Preached unto him the wisdom of the world? Did he preach to him headlines? Did he preach to He preached to him Jesus. Why? Because the Holy Spirit sent Philip to testify of the one who sent him and to bring glory to the one who sent him. To bring glory to the one who was Philip's life. That's what it says. He preached unto him Jesus. And I tell you, in the totality of that one word, Jesus, there's no man. There's no man-centeredness. There's no creature worship. There's no will worship. None of that. He preached unto him Jesus. That is the glory of the Gospel. That is the power of the Gospel. And where does this come from? What does the Lord do to His children? What, how does He work in our hearts and our souls? Proverbs 8.13 tells us this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy. Two things, three things actually, that boast themselves against Christ being all and in all. Things the very sins that work in our members, that want to put 
us to increase and Christ to decrease are these things that Solomon and the Holy Spirit tells us in Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord, to put the fear of the Lord in our hearts. The Lord said, I will put my fear in their hearts. That's how. That's how we know that Christ is to be spoken. Christ is to be lived. Christ is life. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. Now John, later in the other books that he wrote, the letters at the end, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 1st John, he tells us something, to love not the world. He tells us in 1st John 2.15, to love not the world. But in John, in 1st John 2.16, he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the desire to have a name, desire for self, the lust of the flesh, to self to be exalted, that's in this world. That's not in Christ. The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes for us to see and perceive and to know according to what we see and perceive and know. That's what the love of the world is. That's the way of the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The pride of life. All of these things is what I said. The, the eunuch goes to learn in the temple. This is what he picked up. What man does this speak of? What man can we exalt today? What is this speaking of in men? And I, I listen, sermon audio and the world is filled with man-exalting sermons. Let's preach about this man. Let's take an hour out of a Sunday and exalt this saint and what happened to him back in his life. Philip, under the power of the Holy Ghost, did not tell him about the Old Testament prophets. He didn't tell him about David. He preached to him Jesus. That's why Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Galatians 6.3 says, For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Well, who is, who is the deceptor? Who did Jesus say is a deceiver and a, and a liar from the beginning? The wicked one. We've got all of these enemies we've talked about today, the flesh, the world, and Satan. All of them trying to get the child of God to wear the crown to take the crown off its rightful person, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father who has sent Him, and the Holy Ghost who quickens all knowledge and all wisdom of Christ to us. You know, I, I, I think last time I was up here, I quoted to you the second half of Habakkuk 2.4 because I love it. The just shall live by His faith. You know how that verse starts? Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. That's how that verse starts. Behold, 
His soul which is lifted up. You say, that's a good thing, right? It's not upright. It seems like it contradicts itself. Well, yeah, it's got to be upright if it's lifted up. No, if it's lifted up in pride, it's not upright in Christ. That's what that means. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And finally, in John 3, 33 and 34, he that has received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. And this is speaking of Christ. And those who will speak according to Christ after that. In Christ. The mouth and the gospel conversation is what Christ has done. I think when I when I read our text and and it and the Lord really searches me in this text, it, it's really humbling. It really is. He that speaketh of himself, I think of how many times during the day I, I use that little I or I use that we or I think or I, I do or um when people pat their pat me on the back or tell me a good job I did or say something like yeah yeah I I thought about that or I'm glad I did that or I think of how what an affront that is to the Lord who is life to His people He is the very life and to sit there and rob Him of His glory what a great sin and, and evidence of the fall that it is there. And how does all this take place? Well, we haven't been here in a while, so let's go over to 1 Corinthians 2 real quick as we end today. You know, while you're going over there, I'll set the stage here a little bit. Jesus, after saying these things, he they actually said, you have a devil because the Lord said He looked in their hearts and He said, I know you go about to kill me. He knew how much they hated Him. This is in John 7. He told them they had a devil and then He threw the law, which I, I want to say this, I am very thankful He went to that feast. He fulfilled all the law perfectly. He did everything that was required. It's His perfect obedience so that you and I today in Christ have one who has obeyed perfectly for us. But the Lord gave them, He said, you know, Moses gave you circumcision and yet you circumcise on the Sabbath day. And they had no problem with that. They had no problem with circumventing one law for another law, but that's the religion of man. The religion of man is always to undo what God has done and put their own self and their own, their own logic and how, what they get out of it into it. And then in 24, after our text, and I'll read it because I know you probably already went to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians. Judge not, Jesus said, according to, ju- to the appearance. That's... That's tough for us because what appears to us is how we judge. But the Lord says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now 1 Corinthians 2 tells us how the Lord does that. And we'll begin in verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them 
that love. That right there, if I didn't read any more, that's enough to substantiate what Jesus said today that when we seek and talk of ourselves, which we were told right here, there's nothing we see, there's nothing that we've heard, neither has entered into our heart the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. I mean, we don't have that knowledge. It has to come from the one who is all knowledge. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. And that's what we've taught, looked at all day. Religious man has the spirit of the world. He alters the word of God to fit his own. And that's why we have so many denominations out there today. I've said it, I don't know how many times. The Bible tells us it's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Freely. That's by grace. The Holy Spirit reveals us. No other way. No other way. Which things also we speak. The things the Lord teaches us. This is that gospel conversation. This is how He orders a conversation. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. We hear a lot of man's wisdom. Everywhere we turn, there's a wise one in, a, in an area of somewhere that we have need in our life. But they must be taught of the Lord. And that, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You notice that? He doesn't compare the worldly things with spiritual. Compare spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man doesn't receive them, and your old nature will not receive them. Great is that fall. For they are foolishness unto him. And some of you may be saying that this morning. Man, that's just foolishness. I speak a lot of the things. I, I'm thankful for what God's done for me, so I go out and tell everybody what I've done. Well, be thankful for what God's done for you. What we hear in the Word, Jesus said, you'll testify of the One who sent you. You will be, this is what Christ has done. This is the power by Christ did it. This is Christ's faith. This is Christ's love. This is Christ's peace. To Him be all glory. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, this is what Jesus said, judge righteously. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. That's not a switch that we have on in us. It doesn't have, it's not something we put on. It's not something we say, okay, we're going to be spiritual now. This is of the sovereignty of what God gives His people, this, the faithfulness. We just sang that. Today. Great is thy faithfulness. And He is faithful to give of His Spirit for discernment, and for leading into His righteousness. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet He Himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that He may instruct Him? How many of us can lift up our hearts and our minds and say, Lord, 
We know your mind. Let us tell you. Let us tell you what's best for us. Let us tell you what your word means. Let us tell you. Oh, but we, the church, the body of Christ, those who've been elected before the foundation of the world, those who are in Christ, we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ to reveal in His faithfulness, in His faithful time, in His faithful way, for His glory. For His glory. We have the mind of Christ. Our text one more time today as we finish. John seven eighteen, He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is truth. That is where truth is, Jesus said. Truth is in the one who has sent you. And no unrighteousness is in him. That's power. May the Lord add his power to that. Dear Heavenly Father, glorify thy name. Now, Lord, may you instruct us in thy mind and give us the mind of thy Son and the humility and the love that he has for his children and for the Father. And, Lord, may you order our steps and our life to glorify thee. And, Lord, may you bridle the tongue and give us the voice to lift up for your glory. Oh, Lord, may you always, forever, Show us the great things Thou hast done and put that praise upon our lips to praise Thy holy name. For Thou art truly worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.